1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Legendary world champ surfer, Sean Thompson. He's going to be talking about Surfer's Code, talking about his books, everything that he's working on and doing. Hello? 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 Okay, we're on. Ready? Friends and family! Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chocolate Podcast. Our guest this week is an iconic legend in the sport of surfing. He was one of the most influential surfers and regarded as one of the greatest surfers of all time. He was an integral part of the freeride generation along with Rabbit, MR, Kanga, PT, who you just saw. He was the first serious, this group was the first serious professional surfers which helped lay out the blueprint for professional surfing as we know it today. He had an impressive surfing career with 19 games of professional career wins. He founded, managed, and sold two multi-million dollar brands, Instinct and Solitude, we just heard in the launching. He's an author, a motivational speaker, and an ambassador for Surfrider Foundation. He's, he's involved in everything surf. We welcome the 1977 world champion, Sean the Prom Thompson. Woo-hoo! 
Okay, but I said, Jesus, I'm sure man, you come back to me. I was, I was so stirred with uh, what you said to me and the encouragement. And, you know, first circles uh, have got a lot of power in terms of <clears throat> positive or negative influences that they can have on a young, a young person's life. And it really struck home to me that many years later, when they truly told me that story, and I absolutely didn't even remember it, but all of us, I think, have got power to influence others positively or negatively. And, and my life has gone now down in this direction of what's the choice you're going to make? Are you going to positively influence or are you going to negatively influence by your actions, by your words, by your interaction? And now that's what I do. I try to create a positive way uh, around the world. And essentially, it comes from surfing. And now I work with the biggest companies in the world. Two days ago, I was in Las Vegas talking to the biggest financial institution in the United States. To, to hundreds and hundreds of team members, to the most successful team members from this financial group in the country. And let me tell you, the lessons of surfing speak deeply, deeply to those people. Because the fundamental lessons of the service we all learn about resilience, about hope, about optimism, about empathy, about understanding that we all join by one ocean. And uh, so that's what I do now. My, my life has definitely gone down a different path, but it all stems from the soul and the roots uh, of surfing uh, and little interactions like I had with two women many years ago. And I have with many surfers. Every time you change your pro surfer, you know that when you speak to someone or you interact with someone, if you're a victim, yeah. you say, they will remember that for the rest of your life. That is not a victim. No, no, I'm saying. <laughs> I beg you to no, no, I'm sure you're a, you're a good player, but, but as an athlete, yeah, yeah. you, you, you have a certain level of power that you can't but the show is not about late night lifestyle. The show is about Sean DePon. But to touch on your. your, your your motivational speaking that you were just at and how that ties back to your your, your, your surfing. You know, you weren't trained to get a speaking in front of 3,000 people. You weren't trained to go to charge for a while. You know, how is that all relative of like overcoming your fears, you know, becoming good at your craft, you know? I think I think it, I think it, uh, it comes from stroke. I mean, I was one of the very uh, stroke individual. I know when I was on the trip, I served my first pro class in 1969. I served in my last pro class in 1999. 20 years. Yeah. Um, no one in the world served more than I did. I served, I put more hours, and not because I wanted to practice, or wanted to get better because I liked it. And, uh, you know, a mate of mine said, you know, Sean, I need to know what you're doing. I asked you, said, I'm a, you know, I lived in Stanford. I asked you, why? You know, why did you become a world champion? Why did you um, have such a long run? I would just say, look at what happened. I was more scared. I was out there, six for eight hours, nine hours, straight, J-Bay, off the wall, back to whatever. Um, and, and I think I really loved it. So I think if you have that passion for what you do, it might be surfing, it might be golfing, it might be, uh, you know, who, who knows where you find your path direction in life that um, that's the, the core essence and yes that drives the commitment that drives the learning that drives the openness I think that we'll have to have 
in our lives. And I'm not so stirred. Like I would serve as much as I, uh, I used to, but I, I still think about serving. I think about the principles you've spoken about. And we'll talk about it. I share my stoke with. I think I've shared my stoke through my co-editing with a million people and, uh, and help, help maybe some people, some people that need the help, but some people, you know, go, wow, that's cool this concept of code. How can I create a How can I create my community? How can I create more personal? So it's, it's really fun. I want a very fun ride and it all comes from one place and from surfing and we start about surfing. Can we start at the very beginning how you found surfing in South Africa? How old were you and, you know, was it your dad that got you into it? Yeah, well, our whole family was, was like a huge family. My dad was a, was a surfer. He, um, in fact, my dad was a South African swimmer champion, junior swimming champion. My brother Paul's here today at, um, at 13 years old. 13. 13, and then uh, he had a very strong swimming career. He was one of South African swimmers. The Second World War came up, he volunteered. He was a, a tail gunner. In these American aircraft, they found the Nazis and the Italians. Um, and then uh, he came back, resumed his swimming career, and was gunning for the 1940 Olympics. And then was out at the local beach in Berlin on, on his little, little wooden boards. And he was very badly attacked by a shark. By like a Zambezi shark. It's like a pit bull shark. It's, it's not as big as a great wife, but way more gnarly. Yeah. It counted for about. 90% of the attacks in South Africa is a very, very dangerous, dangerous shock. So he ripped his right arm up and he was never able to swim competitively again. But he never lost his love for the ocean and, 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 and surfing. So he taught me how to swim and surf about 100 yards away from where he had this terrible attack. And uh, so, so first he was like my brother, my cousin, myself, and he had these little rubber things called Nilo's. It's kind of Australia, actually. The mats? It's like a rubber, blow up mats, yeah. yeah. So we used to bomb, bomb out in the rubber mats. At first we did like a certain body surf in the, the rubber mats. And then we graduated with these little, um, little mini hardballs that were like uh, four foot six. Wow. So the first time I stood up was on a four foot six weight thing uh, called a surf master. And I stood up there. And I stood up for the first time and I was just full of straight with Bay of Painting. That was my first wave, and, and that grew, grew to become a venue for, for the Gunston 500, which was one of the biggest events in the world. And you know, all the Aussies, PTM, Mark Warren, Mark Richards, they all came out to compete in the Gunston. And my dad started the event, which was amazing. It was the longest, longest running pro event, even longer than Bells. Um, and my dad started, and it was amazing. The first one was one by Gavin Wheelock. It was like 500. Rand, $500 grand, five hundred dollars for first prize, and then I eventually won it for the first time when I was in the army when I was seventeen. I did my, my national service, so I won it at seventeen and won it six times in a row, which was a big thrill. Yeah, you know, especially my dad was there watching for all of them. And was uh, there other like amateur contests? No, the amateur was like something in the championships. I won, I won all those three events, which is cool. Who, who's older, your, your brother or yourself? Uh, my brother's younger than me, okay. so my brother's a few, a couple of years younger than me. My brother was really good competitive, he won the state championships as well. And your cousin? My cousin was, was, was really, really good, uh, 
from heaven to my husband is actually number five in the world in 1976. Uh, and other than me, myself, family, no, myself joined the show. And my comes from, I think, the only South African school women made the club. And then Michael started culture. I started instincts. So we used to go the water and we competed uh, on the brand side. So, yeah, it was, it was a very uh, cool environment to be around. And you know, we came from a family of entrepreneurs, go-getters, and it was obviously still how did, how did instinct, how did you come up with that name? And who, how did you get the idea? Because we love talking about the entrepreneur. Yeah. So, um, back in those days, like late 70s, it was really hard to make an income on surfing. There were many sponsors, I mean, my first sponsor was in New York. And I knew that year to that, and you were rich, they paid me like $350 a month. Wow. When I was the number one guy in the world, and the kind of woman was in set, it just wasn't a lot of money to go around. And I thought, oh, I better create something of my own. Because um, a lot of surfers were shaped on boards. Yeah, that was a huge thing to help fuel the next event. Very difficult to make a living from home city. Most of the guys were, were shapers. Um, but my grandmother and I were Indian shapers, a pinky shape, Indian can shape, a shape, Julie Lopez shape, Barry Kamala Pini, Willie Russell, they were all shaped as well. Maybe Jeff Hackman was the only guy back then that didn't shape, but I knew I wanted to create something because I could see that the surfing was going to happen and it was going to push. Was there a brand you were looking at to kind of like? Follow suit, you know, what was that? Well, the big brands at the time were Lightning Bolt, uh, Ocean Pacific, Painting. Those were like the three big brands. And then Painting was sort of like a small motion to brand. Uh, I remember Painting maybe, uh, I mean, we all of us, the best servers in the world at the time, the young guys coming from Australia, Painting, even Rina Abalera, Mark Winterfield, we all appeared in a painting and we got finished. <laughs> in 1974. That's amazing. So, yeah, like... So what was it like... What was it like... Do you remember, like, because you're the hot South African up-and-coming surfer. And then, when did you start meeting PT and all those guys? Well, I met them all. I, I met PT, actually, in California in 1972 at the World Championships. The World Amateur Championships which was won by Jimmy Bates of Hawaii, David Nueva from Hungary, which was second. And we met him uh, in the semi-finals. He beat me in the, in the, in the semi-finals and went on, went on to, to, the, to the, fi the finals. So I met PT then, and I know a lot of the Aussies then. I actually met Ian Cairns in 1970 at the World Amateur Championships in Australia. So I was very, I was always the youngest guy from here. Um, I was there when I was 14 in 1970. Um, but to, to get back to instinct, so, so now that we see things going to happen, so Mark starts, gotcha, a cousin, and then, you know, Mark starts going on his own here trying to do his way. So I find a company, he connects up with a side of the company, the mayor of his school, Joel Cooper. I find a company in, in South Africa, a manufacturer. 
stay with yourself and live with yourself. I work with a lot of guys who are here I mean, Spada, where the DC work at, uh, Barnfield, Tom Parrish, a lot of them. I mean, I went to the Amazing. I went to 54 guys. And even from every shape I think I made some. I was never shape I was just in the design. But I respected every board that uh, shape gave me. Um, and uh, just it's been a good journey. Nice. Can we, can we talk about your your first like trip to Hawaii? We know surfing like Hawaii is kind of that proving grounds. And I was really mad. You uh, that was your bar mitzvah like ticket at ticket at a young age. Yeah. So my first time uh, to Hawaii was a bar mitzvah present from my dad. When you're 13, you choose religion. It's like a constitutional mandate. When in fact my son Lee was having his bar mitzvah two weeks time. So this is his transition. But uh, I, um, I always liked Hawaii. Hawaii was, uh, Hawaii was a, was a big thing in, in our house. My father had been to Hawaii after his shock attack to recuperate. He went and had arm surgery in San Francisco. And then flew to Hawaii. When there was only two hotels in the beach, the Moana um, and the Royal Hawaii. He stayed in the world. And this hero, when my dad was a swimming champion, but that was Jukan Jupe was a multi-gold medalist, surfer, so even my dad loved Jupe. So Jupe was always in our household, way back in South Africa, was like um, a legend. Yeah. Even though there may be no one else in South Africa that had heard of Jupe, but, but in our house, Hawaii um, was, uh, was sort of this mythical place. And also because my dad had actually been there, met the Kahanamokus, um, and also, I think perhaps maybe they helped him while he was recuperating after the shark attack. So he, he always loved home. I mean, we were the only house in South Africa. We had to leave your shoes outside. No way. Slippers outside. Oh, my dad, and all my dad wanted to wear, he always spent for like suits and ties. My dad had t shirts, shorts, flip flops. Okay. He was like the oldest teenager in the country. So Hawaii was like important to us. I had pictures of uh, in our house, trumpet at Parkline, basic trains in Guamana. So you know, we, we had these pictures about in the room, and they me, I would go. And, uh, I know, you could go there. My family has been so far, I want to go there, I want to taste myself. And, and then uh, when I was 14, my dad took us over and gave my, my, my dad had been married, said my dad, and then we went and stayed at Makaha uh, for like 45 days on the top floor. It just turned out to be the biggest winter ever in the history of Hawaii. What? Um, yeah, six to nine, and I was there that day, I was out there, and I brought to my name the ground that day. So um, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing experience for a young guy, and I think I always, from that moment on, I just loved, loved Hawaii, and I met a lot of the famous Hawaiian surfers that they do, and I was just a little grinny. In those days, it wasn't a grommet, but called the grinny. And uh, I met all these famous, uh, amazing uh, surfers, like the Hole and Kirtan, and Barry Pinopoon, and uh, you know, just incredible, Jerry Lopez, just incredible surfers, Jimmy Blair's, and then surf some of the biggest waves of my life, and um, 
because there was a wonderful, a wonderful start from that. Did, did you befriend a lot of those wines and have a good relationship with them? Yeah. Or was it, it rough and no, vocalism? Out of the whole of Hawaii, I would say the most localized place is Mataha. Yeah. Uh, they, they were unbelievable. Buffalo, Kailana, Stanley, Savage Park, Craig Horson. Maybe you guys haven't heard of them, but just legendary dudes. And they were amazing, just, just amazing to me. You know, I, I became really friendly with the Sun Sisters. Um, uh, Rel wasn't around that winter, but Martha and Amelia, the two most beautiful female senators I had ever seen. And even today, everyone says, wow, Steph Gilmore, you had to see the same sisters in action. They both had, well, they both said in Chinese, they had hair, they had, they had hair past the waist. And when these two girls would serve, it was like battle. Yeah. And then there was another circle there called Craig Wilson. He also had the most beautiful style uh, I've ever seen. So as a young guy, you know, I've been really influenced by Australian circles, by McTavish, Matt Young, Ron Lynch. Um, but when you, when you go to the source of circle, and you go to the source of style, to me, the source of star wasn't what the key was in the North Shore. Makaha had the style that was like beyond. So it was, it was great to, 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 to find that as a young guy. That's awesome. Because, you know, Hawaii, as we say, it's like, you know, it's the mecca. The mecca. So you have to prove yourself in Hawaii. You have to prove yourself in Shore. You know, we've got some, we had some heat. Pitsy had heat. I had heat. Uncans had heat. Rabbit had heat at later times in, in Hawaii, on the North Shore. But the, the guys that gave us the heat weren't the guys who were born there with Hawaiian DNA running through their names. It was sort of that other, other group. The transplants. Yeah. <laughs> so, you can't really claim their localism. Yeah, but, but, but I was there with these guys at the time. And they, they were just so amazing welcome. You know, they, they had pizza bars, the Aloha spirit. And then people say Aloha, you know, it's kind of down. They went down and, and that was sort of where it lives. Well, you're talking about busting down the door kind of, right? Like you're re not referencing it, but that era when competitive surfing stayed Nash. Right. We had him on the podcast. He's got soul, yeah. <laughs> San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, the, the busting down the door is, is one of the most iconic movies that's ever been made. Yeah, so now I've got two books here and I'm gonna give them give them away. But we gotta we've gotta get a few more crew here and, I, and they're gonna have to answer couple of questions. One question I'm going to ask and one question PT is going to ask about busting down the door. So, check this out. So, I never go in without having taken away because the, <laughs> right? Surfer's code. Yeah, surfer's code. So, we're going to do a surfing probably the year after we got into and what have you. We went saw you down there and you spoke and you were just living. He's doing his thing. Gosh, with the accent, you know, and it was great. 
He's telling the story. He's telling the story about. He says you never ever ride in a wave on your belly. You never do that. So I curse you. <laughs> I know. Like, you can't. You can't ever go in. You just just paddle in. You've got to ride a wave in. So. Thank you, but man, I gotta curse you because I feel as though I gotta give you a way to come in. So thank you, and uh, God bless you, brother. Good seeing you. Thank you, man. Thank you. What was your name? My name is Sam. 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 Thank so you, I'm, Sam. I'm on behalf of the Wine Trends, my family came from Hawaii, Hawaiian steel guitar, Mick History. And so. My grandfather came from uh, the island. Betty, he became a refrigerator, refrigerator delivery guy. And uh, so I'm half Hawaiian, I'm half, I'd like to transplant too, half Hawaiian, half Mexican. He met my grandmother in El Paso, Texas, met her, and never looked back. So I got a little Hawaiian in my blood too as well, and it's, it's a great heritage, and uh, we love it. And, and it's nice to see that there's still respect, you know, going on. And I was watching the U.S. Open, the one, uh, what's his name, the Hawaiian kid, big buckets thrown out, one. Yeah. No, 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 the other guy, uh, Zeke. Zeke. Uh, so we had a conversation with Zeke, and the conversation was it was very, very important to have a Hawaiian final like that. It was incredible. So uh, it's a great history. I love hearing the respect that it was. It was tough back in the days to walk into that, right? And um, it's, it's still kind of holds a little bit now, you know? My family's still out there and lives a life, and it's kind of fun. And they call me city boys now. But we live a life still to this day. So it's great culture. Great to have you guys a part but, of this talk. Uh, very close. I've got, a, I've got a book here. I've said, the surface code, the very, that, that, that's a limited edition, first edition. So that that's worth, worth a couple of hundred bucks. It's, and I've bought it down. Enjoy it. I'll sign it to you afterwards. But I'll tell you, there's, I'll tell you a story about surface code. Is that TK? No, it looks like TK. Uh, I'll tell you a story about surface code as it relates to Zclub. So a number of years ago, Zeke uh, was trying to break into the pro tour. He just got off the tour last week, so he was trying to break into the tour and was sponsored by Channel Island Surfboards. Now Merrick's made my boys for about 40 years. So he's getting 25th, 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 25th. And I've seen video of him, and I love it. I love the way he surfed. You know? Power and more. I mean, I, I'm a power guy, he's a power guy, he's a big bloke, I was a pretty big bloke then. So I'm going, wow, this kid is so good in my life. And he's got tats and he just represents Hawaiian Warrior. So I contact him and I said, hey, Zeke, and I sent him an email. Hey, Zeke, you know, I'm sorry you know, you're having such a hard time breaking in. But here's something you should try. <clears throat> I said, write your code, 12 lines. Every line begins with, I will. This is your purpose. This is your power. This is your path. Write your code. Send it back to me. So he writes his code, sends it back to me. One week later, one week, he gets the at Benito, which was the contest that I won six times in a row in South Africa. He comes third in the contest. A couple months later, he wins in Portugal. End of the year, he wins the World Cup. So I say to people, you're an athlete, you anyone in your life who's struggling, and I've done this process now with over a million people. Write your code, 12 hours. Every time you get with our world, you write it in 15 minutes. And I show these different examples of what can happen. When you commit to something, you commit to purpose, you find power, 
finding the park. And, and, and that's a story by the and the service guy. <laughs>
together because the world is so disunified at the moment. Uh, it's disunified generally, but in, in corporate space, it's really disunified because 79% of employees are disengaged. That means that they hate the jobs, they're not aligned with the purpose of the organization. So there are these, there are these uh, engagement issues, and, and I think having a perspective of surfing, getting people to write the code just brings people together, and it's that's sort of my part, but, but I've got to tell you one thing, that it requires a tremendous amount of work. And to be successful, it's not like just eight hours having, having fun. I mean, I also, I worked in Oxford. I studied, I went to university, I was at university, then I was on the Pro Tour, finished my university degree, got my, my bachelor's in economics and business finance. I went on to do a Master of Science and Leadership. I, I, and, and every day, I studied. I learned. And I'll tell you what. I don't think many people know that. No, that's incredible. That's... Uh, I think surfing also teaches you, for some, humility. You come out there, you think you've got your act together. You take that ride, you get a cane, you get to ask what to so it teaches you humility, and then if you have the humility, you understand that you haven't got all the answers, yeah. but you've got to be a lifelong learner. Yeah. And the most successful people I, I, I meet in the world, the most successful business people, the people who love life, who inspire, motivate, they have humility to know that they've got to be lifelong learners. But learning takes work. Yeah, how do you, yes, it's as an athlete and, and whether it's a big wave or it's a contest, the highs and lows, and, and how do you deal with that adversity? You know, how do you come out yeah. from a real low and get back, and, and then how do you how do you be at the top and, and, and not be arrogant and just know it's you know like that the work hard work pay off and having that like that peaks and valleys is is pretty important to balance. Yeah, you did. I mean, being a pro in any field, it's emotional. There's those times when you just get, you take the worst ride out of your life. But there's a lot of other choices to, to what you do. And when I wrote, when I wrote my code, my service code, 12 lines, and I thought, well, that's how I, this journey in my life started. Someone asked me to write a code, or someone asked me just to give something to a group of kids that were coming to the room to inspire them because the beach was facing an environmental challenge. And the guy who started Surfizer Foundation, Ben Henning, said to me, hey, Sean, I'm going to bring the kids to the beach, and I'm going to bring the media and the local government officials, and we want to raise consciousness of this problem. If you haven't had a great problem, all the homeowners are connected up to separate tanks. Separate tanks, like a hole in the ground where the sewage goes. Yep. When it rains, fills up, the sewage is overflowing into the creek. You know, there's a creek of rainwater that yep. separates about the indicator there. And it's flying out and the surface is getting sick. So I said, just man, this is a massive problem. It's like a $30 million problem. You said, no, it's about a $30 million problem. He said, so I'm going to give you a $100 budget to help solve it. How do you do Easy. <laughs> so I, um, I thought, what can I do? You know, and he said, you bring 100 kids to the beach, how can I inspire them for 100 bucks? A dollar a kid. So that's when I, wrote, I decided I'd write surface code. And I read 12 lines, every line beginning with our world. And I printed it up on a little card. And you carry it with you. 
this was uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, I played it in my life. It was my cousin. What's yeah. the first line say? I will, I will never turn my back on the ocean. Well, I think about my dad and his terrible shock attack. What's the second line say? I will always paddle back out. Yeah, you talk about highs and lows, what you're going to do. Yeah. You're going to crown like a baby, you're going to paddle in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's, we talk about resilience, that's about resilience, but it's about hope too. So yeah, that's what I do. I, I say to everyone when I'm going to leave my presentation, I leave my code, 12 miles, everyone writes their own code. Because I have found that here's some of I'm learning and I love to read about great leaders, Nelson Mandela, Roosevelt, Churchill, uh, JFK, Obama, people that have changed the world. I like to read their words. So they were to inspiration. But what I found with a million people that I've spoken to, other people's words are inspiration, but our own words are transformation. They can create change. I mean, what happened to Zuclar? 25th, 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 right my code, third. Is that just a happy coincidence? And then when's the event later there? And when's another? Is that just a happy coincidence? And then all the other people that send me lines afterwards, hey, Sean. I changed my life. I lost 50 pounds. I lost 50 pounds as a result of that in my pay. My relationship with my wife's good. My relationship with my son's good. How about this for a story? So I go down and I speak last year in San Diego. It's a very cool resort there called the Catamaran Resort. It's like right on the beach. It's like Turtle Bay, 1970. Exactly like the old Kulina Hotel. The guy invites me down and he started this company and they just, they call it a unicorn. And it's just with a billion dollar valuation. Wow. A billion dollar valuation. I mean, that is a thousand million dollars of valuation. A billion. So he comes to introduce me and there's like 400 team members you know, of his employees. Uh, and he says, I want to tell all of you a story. And Sean doesn't know the story. Seven years ago, I saw Sean speak in Santa Barbara. He said, and he had me, had all of us in the crowd do the exercise. The code, 12 hours. Every night begins with our work. He said, I wrote my code. I started this company the next day. No way. To a billion dollar. So I'm just saying that words of others inspire us, but our own words can transform us. When you write your code, you pick, start, 12 lines, and you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of people have got the act together and you know, they have a clear defined purpose, but life's complicated, and sometimes people need to reevaluate. People need to be appreciated, people need to be lifted up, and I think in our culture and our, in our environment, it's easy to knock people down because of jealousy. It's so easy. It's so easy. You see on social media, you know, you read some of these certain websites, you just see negativity, crap, and you know, crap. <laughs> Two suicide rates have started up. And I ask people when I do my events, send me a text in a word that describes what you feel. So people text and I form a word cloud. So, what a word cloud, you know what a word cloud is? So, say I have 2,000 people on the screen or there's a thousand people in the auditorium that text me and it comes up on the screen and the, the, the more frequent words, the more popular ones are bigger. So you can see at a glance 
uh, how everyone's feeling. Wow. He wasn't very much comfortable with me right there. So, so since COVID started when I, when I started doing this, I've spoken to about a quarter of a million people. So the four words have been stress, anxiety, depression, and disconnections. I call it a sad mindset. So, so that's how I stop. I know. Jeremy, that's how I feel. So then listen to this. So now I tell my stories. Tell a story about resilience. I always come back out. Tell a story about commitment. I'll take the drop of kind of stuff that comes on pipeline. I'll tell a story about connectivity and everyone else to go. Then I ask everyone at the end, so what you taking home with you? One word. What word do you think that is? Oh, exactly. Damn right, Mark. That's it. That's it. But also, that's also, that's also, that will, that's like hope. How about that? That's beautiful. And all of us, you know, when you're sitting in front of the, when you're watching, you know, like Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever, Twitter, and you're going to send a comment, and I, and I speak to a lot of kids too, universities and schools, because every time I do a pay event, they go through one. It's super simple. And, and it, it's very cool. You do a pay event, then I do one for school or university. So I say, I say this to you. Choice. Kind or unkind. Truth or untruth. That's the decision you've got to make. When you check that out. Because when I went back and did my master's, I came across a study. So this is the biggest social study in the history of the world no one knows about. They interviewed 689,000 people. And they found that all of us have power by what we tap out virally to impact the feelings, the emotions, and the behavior of others. Every single one of them. They call it viral emotional contagion. So every single one of us, every single one of us here sitting here today, like this, and the people here, but every single one of us has power. Yes. For good or for evil. With your webcast, with your podcasting, you guys have great power. Because you make sure you have people good or evil. And that's an elemental struggle. In the United States today, let me tell you, the dominoes just last week started to fall in favor of kindness and in favor of truth. You saw what happened with uh, Dominion and Fox News. $867 million settlement for us for untruth. That was the first time Tucker Carlson got his ass whipped. Truth and being untruth and being unkind. And Don Lennon as well for being unkind. And they're both from vastly different networks, but they were both unkind people. And the, the, I think the momentum is shifting now. People are sick and tired of unkindness. Sick and tired of lies. We want truth and we want kindness. Do you think it would be that easy with the world we live in? But it's happening. It's happening. The wave. Let me tell you, the wave is starting. It's like there's a storm out there in the ocean somewhere. The wave is going to form. Can I ask you? It takes all of us. Can I ask you that? So I'm looking down the that's the best thing down here. John Cooper, legend from Gotcha. Yeah. Another yeah. brew, right? Yeah, I'm like, so, so I see the picture of uh, Mark Richards. And one of the most iconic sequences in surfing 
documented surfing in a film was that double tuba. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so you and Mark were battling, right? I mean, that's my God. That's my the wounded gull versus the pine. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, that's my soul twins. And and those waves were like that day in that film. Was it was it free ride or was it? It was in the free ride. Yeah. Yes. But you know, snaking somebody is a no-no, right? Like that's a, a a very bad move, right? And here you are, the prom. You had a right away. You drop in. You're getting barreled, and the weary gull drops in on you and gets barreled himself, right? That is a backstory. Yeah. It, is, it is quite a, it is quite a backstory. To me. Like I'm still, I think, everyone's the first mate, but the wave's still relentless in that So, so what happened was, um, so first, I'm standing at a floor on the surf's really small, like two to three. And uh, I see MR walk down the beach. And you know, MR, we were, all, we were all pretty close, but MR was always a little bit off to the, to the line. He was a bit aloof, he was, he was sort of a bit of a secretive guy. Uh, and PT is there, you know, it's like PT and me and Wally and. A little more tight. We would be all on the beach together, you know what I mean? And that rage together. But MR was like, you know, he wanted to, he was like, Wanted to have an age So anyway, so now I've just won the world title. I've got my spider move from seven oh single thing. I'm I'm certainly a hard level inside the tube team stuff on that board that was pretty uh, new and unique. And uh, and like off the wall and back door, that was my son. And there's uh in my mind, that's what yeah. So then I see him on and walks down the beach and it's carrying so the last time that all of us guys had written in tournaments was about 1971. And then you, you couldn't ride a tournament in a decent way, you could just sort of spin out. And so now Emma's walking down the beach with a tournament and it's, it's, got, it's so bright, it's like neon orange and yellow, and it's just super bright. With this massive MR, like Warner Brothers, but upside down. Look at Emma, I'm going, what the hell's Emma doing? He walks down, I'm going, I want to see what Emma's got on this wacky looking board. He paddles out, and he swims around, he takes off, and he does this turn. I've never ever seen a turn like that. I've never ever seen a turn that fast. Yeah, it comes around the corner like an F1 racer, and then oh, it comes up the top like an F1 racer, and then. Really? And this is like a mediocre day, wasn't yeah, like a crap day. Yeah, I wasn't even sure if I was going to So it was way more impressive on a crap day. I don't know, I'm going to lie, that's the future, right there. And then that is the future. Whatever he's got, that's the future. And then he then puts his board in the bag and goes off. You know, he doesn't want anyone to see that board. Not too close. So now, a few days later, off the wall comes up. It's the day of the winter, six to eight, perfectionary. Um, you know, every cameraman who's on the beach, it's like it's a hectic zone. But everyone's out there and everyone's head to head. So, um, it's not a contest, but it's even more intense than a contest because everyone wants to be like, get the shot, be the best way to be the best It wasn't so much get the shot, it's get the best way and show you wanted to be considering the officials and number one guy. That, that's, 
So I had to come up over the phone and then I got up higher because the, the signal can go up higher on the fence, even though it's not as fast down the line. So I got up and I just sat there. And, and I just said, I've had Emma through the bus on the chair. <laughs> and then Emma, as soon as you quickly come out, I, I, I let out a little whoop, 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 crazy. So that's how that, that wave um, ended. But you know, that wave, yes, many people think at the time uh, that I got the, the better of Emma. But what that wave, really represented. Yes, you know, I got the better than I but what did they really represent it? And if you can look at surfing as sort of this continuum, it represents the moment. The moment, right there. That was the end of the Singapore era, and that was the start of the multi-foot era and surfing moved into the age of acceleration. Right there, right there, on that way you can wow. pick that moment as the moment when surfing changed. What's crazy though is you made him look kind of silly because you were on a single field behind him pumping in the barrel. Uh, the foam ball is pretty much. Yeah, but you can get him at the moment, so the guy's a dog. <laughs> but in that situation. Yeah, now, because I, I just I, I just got the better thing, I just did it. But ultimately, Emma won four world titles. And they definitely, uh, definitely made up for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, there was a moment in time when Aaron and Aaron were talking in controversy. Oh, yeah, that's right. What you were saying on single things, though, just to go back to single things, like, I, I can't understand it. Like, you know, like, you, that was a moment in time when everyone switched to. So, but you know, you know, you know what's interesting, as Surf evolved, so uh, Emma took that board uh, onto the Pro Tour in 1978, um, Rabbit, Rabbit won that year, and then uh, Emma and I had a blind run for, for four years, and then in 1981, uh, Simon, Simon Carroll with Fluster, and uh, so I, I held out on the tournament for a number of years. I didn't buy the tournament and I just got my arse worked. Um, but then he competitive on a single thing in, in Hawaii. So then Simon came out with the, uh, the first step in 1981. He won the And then I came up against Simon in the final at the Tuesday Coach Surfer Day, which was. was uh, most uh, lucrative at the most past moment in 1981 in North America and Simon's home So I had a twin by then and I came up with him in that final and, and Simon smoked me in the final. So the very next day I picked up the phone and I said to Simon, I'd love to do a just <laughs> and, and now this is Simon's. Now we were all in the we were all in the top few in the world together, so I'm an artist, they're looking at Simon, Simon said sure, made me the board, and I took it to Hawaii, and that year he also won the, uh, won the Pipeline Masters, but Simon Anderson, he could have said that, you know, you're a guy who's going to keep this technology for myself, but, but he, he, he gave that gift, and I never forgot that, and I like to think when, when I did my code, 
Yeah. And where's it come from? Come from surfing, come from skirt, come from heel pads, yeah. So amazing. Well, she, I think we hit our mark, and uh, we just scratched the surface with what we, yeah, the stories and what you have to offer and what we're continuing to do. And we love everything. This, this is only episode one. Of, of, of thanks, thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And I love what you're doing to bring surfers together. And uh, this really sort of fragmented now. And People together around just a clear feeling that we all experience that we've stuck because it makes your life better. That's it. And uh, thanks again to Surfscape. I think you got the side. You got it. Yeah, the surfers code. The code. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have some, uh, I'm going to be set up somewhere, I'm not sure. I'm going to have some books if anyone wants to get uh, uh, books, would love to. Um, sell and sign? Yeah, would love to sell and sign the books. And I'm, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to give some books away right now, but you've got to be here for the question. The question here. Okay. So, the first question is, um, who's ranked number one in the world right now? Okay. There's a, there's a book, please. Who's ranked number one in the world right now? Trump. Yeah, Josh, yeah, yeah, that's Josh, so nice. Josh, 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 Who's your favorite surfer on tour right now, Mr. Sean Thompson? I love what uh, I love what John John and Xiao showed that here. Xiao's right in the Channel Islands, and uh, a little bias there, but no, that yeah, and then also also uh, John John right in the the Santa Barbara show here. Comes up. Okay, so here's another question. So. Um, Surface code. What are the first two words? Yeah, who said that? Yeah, you got. Oh, yeah, you really got one. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, uh, what's the name of the town where I grew up? Yeah. Which book do you want, bud? I got the code, so whatever you want. So the Surf in the Sage is the latest one, it just came out. Okay, I'll write that. That's cool. Right on. Congratulations. Okay, okay. Right down the street, you came and spoke at our school, Guire Middle School. Oh, yes, I remember that. Sean, we looked up to you, my brother Ryan came and surfed on the tour for a while. Uh, we looked up to you tremendously. My dad was a school teacher here in uh, Belfar High School. Wonderful. And he would let us come down and watch the Caton. And uh, once a year he let us ditch school. <laughs> and we wanted to see the guys, the men, you and Dan uh, Kiloa. And uh, you guys pushed us on the North Shore when we were young kids. Fantastic. And I remember paddling out at Rocky Point, just watching you fly 
down the line backhand is there's our hero right in the water. Ah, I love that. That's so cool. Thank you. Man, and they're teaching Guar Middle School. Yeah, Guar Middle School. That was cool. I went to the school and I went to the Huntington Beach High as well with those birthday. Cool. Thank you. Okay, so the next the next question is um, uh, okay. This is going to be a hard one. So uh, I won the world title a long, long time ago. Um, and the number one surf in the world uses that same number on his jersey. What what year was that? Plus? Hey, what, what did you say? 76, no? 72, what did you say? That's it, yeah. But incredible, 77. Felipe Toledo. Felipe is rocking 77. Yeah, I don't think he's rocking. I just want to thank you for all your beautiful stories. Pleasure, pleasure. Which book do you have? Anyone? Surfer on the stage. What book is going to be on? Maybe I'll do it to. At the late night talkie booth, just over here by the end. So where is it? For sale too. Yeah, we'll have we'll have some books for sale. Yeah. Okay. So so how many more books have I got? Okay. So I'll do I'll do three more. Okay. Who was the first Hawaiian surfer to win the world title? Yeah, the two were in the island, but that's a good one. Okay. So who was the second Hawaiian surfer to win a world title? But if you but but if but if you've already if you really got a book now, and mark down you know the answer. Okay, so who was the second Hawaiian surfer to win a world title? What was that? No, 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 no Mike, Hurt, Mike Hurt never won, but his brother won it, became the first Hawaiian to win a world title in, I think it was 1990, yeah. I know who it is. Yeah. Shame but, on everybody else. Was it? No, it's not a trick question. No, the second Hawaiian to win a world title. No, he had a very, he had a very uh, happy name. He had a very happy, warm name. It, uh, who was that? Yeah, that's it. Come grab your book. That's wrong. <laughs> that's not the right answer. What? He wasn't the second one. No, it was. No. Sonny. Oh, did I say Sonny? Yes, it's Sonny. I thought John Florence. No, 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 no. He can't win. I think, I think Sonny also is Which book? What about Johnny Boy Gomes? Yeah, no, no, he never won the world title. Which one? He was a great surfer. Service code. Service code. What's this one? Yeah, that one you read. Read that one. That's cool. Yeah. It's got a psychedelic color. Okay, so we're going to do, I'll do one more. Um, Okay, yeah, here's, here's, here's a good one for, it's got the local vibe too. Which Huntington Beach dude won the US Open twice? Yeah, who said that? Good, yeah. Wow, yeah. 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 You have all these books? Is that a new one? Yeah. 
I'm fortunate enough to have all these books. Sean hooked me up. Thank you so much, Sean. You're the greatest. So happy to have you here. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you. I just like answering the questions, but you know, you can hand off the book to someone else. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Okay. So let me. Okay. So. Okay, I've got another. I, I got another question. So, um, which, who was the greatest Huntington Beach surfer from the eighties and is referred to as the mayor of Huntington Beach? Did Dan Block win this one? Dave Block. Okay, so, so, so we'll do we'll, we'll do one more. Um, yeah, yeah, Bob. <laughs> oh, Denton Miyamura. Oh, it was a Keone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denton won the baby seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, so um. one is Jordan Smith. What's the name of the second South African? M.M. M.M. <laughs> huh? That's in the guild. Yeah, that's it. Bob Engel is going to come up here. He's going to run. Come up, Bob. Come on. Come on, Bob. Come and grab your book. So Bob Mignola, former Let's publisher hear. of Surfing Magazine, which was one of the greatest magazines, and it was the first... Thanks, John. First surfing magazine that recognized us young guys coming onto the scene. Because Surfer at the time sort of Surfer I know Surfer at the time was more sort of status quo, but Surfing magazine wants to recognize the young guns. And you were on the cover many times, John. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Thanks everyone. It's been a surfer. I know there's a book somewhere if you guys want to get it. Thank you very much, guys. Awesome Thank you, Steve. That works out. Show the pride. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bulls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. 
clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 